what's up hybrids welcome back to another episode of the fandom hybrid podcast this is hanako and i am here with anthony mike and Lori, and we are starting the new year off right we are talking about Wonder Woman 1984. It is the first movie discussion that we've been able to have on the podcast because of COVID and not having any movies to go to. But I think we're excited maybe to discuss this. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Uh, not bad. Um, I, I, had a, I went to go see my dad for the holidays and that was really cool. Um, I actually went, I have my company, the company I work for revamped a movie, movie theater and due to COVID times, they were having a hard time paying. So they ended up bartering for gift cards. So we all, everybody in our company got gift cards to go see movies. So oh. I actually, I actually went to go see Wonder Woman in the theater. It was just me and Michelle. Nobody else was in there because we wow. would go see it at 2.30. Because nobody goes see this movie at 2.30 on Monday. So. We, we, we went to go check it out and there was nobody in there and that's how yeah I'm, so i'm actually kind of glad i but once you get into it i'll explain everything else but okay. my holidays were good i got i got really cool nerdy lando calrissian adidas sneakers and i'm like and the bad thing is i could have gotten they were going to get me the boba fett high tops which were even nerdier and freaking cooler and they had like a little pocket on the side and stuff but you know yeah there's always my birthday which is two weeks away that's cool. Yeah. Anybody else getting nerdy gifts? No, nothing. Mm-hmm. We didn't give each other gifts this year because we're 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 at the point now where if we want anything, we we buy it ourselves, and we're the only family we have out here in California. But my sister in law did give me uh, a decent uh, gift card, and I got a couple of couple of different things, you know, just stuff I needed or wanted. And um, yeah, it was quiet. We're still in shutdown mode. I can only get groceries every four days. And the only time slot available for me now is next Tuesday at 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Just a regular Christmas for me, you know. Okay. (laughs) Same here. Nothing special. Yeah, it was was different because usually for Christmas. Um, usually Christmas Eve, we go to my mom's house and she she does her big dinner there. And then on Christmas day, it's my ex-mother-in-law's birthday. So the kids usually go over there for Christmas. But this year, of course, with COVID, you know, both of my uh, my mom and my mother-in-law, they're, they're both in their upper years. My mom is 72, my mo- mother-in-law turned 81. So we've been like staying away and, um, so it was just my daughter and myself on Christmas and we just kind of chilled here at the house. I watched Wonder Woman and a couple of days later I got a couple of nerdy gifts. I got um I got a supernatural poster, the last entertainment weekly cover that they did earlier in the year. I got that as a poster and I got the companion for Discovery of Witches trilogy. So that was that was cool. So you know, but other than that, it was just very low key. So. Well, it was a little bit nerdy. Um, I'm in the process of building a computer. So I was given a bunch of gift cards to aid me and oh. assist me in that effort. Nice. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into the movie. 
as I mentioned, we are discussing Wonder Woman 84. This is the sequel to Wonder Woman that came out in 2017. Um, one word description just from each of you. Describe your feelings on the movie in one word. Man. It's all right. Better. That's that's more than one word, Anthony. I <laughs> better. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. Michael's still in my bed, so I had to come up with something else. Uh, okay. Wait, Laura, you thought it was better than the first one? Yes, because I hated the first movie. <laughs> I'm not saying I love this one. I'm just saying it was better. <laughs> wow. It's uh, like I'm not I a hate, Wonder Woman I, fan. It sounds like I hate squash, but Rutabagas. Oh, <laughs> well, my one word, I'll say good. Um, I didn't hate it. I actually liked it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I wasn't overly in love with it. And I didn't feel about it the same way I felt about the first one. And then right before it came out, the uh, Christmas Eve, I actually went back and rewatched the first one to kind of prep for the second one. And then I think, after watching the second one, I also had mixed feelings about the first one. So it was just kind of one of those where it's like, again, I don't hate it. I love the performances. I love the the actors. I loved what they did. That wasn't the uh, issue. Uh, okay. The issue if, was with some of the, the story points. Yeah. You said several things that every person I have talked to about this have said. They've said <laughs> I didn't hate it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Right. Those are that, those, that is the most common response. It really is. It and is. Like, and, yeah. and to be honest, meh, I've seen meh so many times. It's, it's yeah. literally, I say it every other word now. When I look at like all, all the groups I'm in on Facebook, it's like, that's all you see is people, when they react to it, it's like, meh. Because, okay, I related to, I loved, Iron, loved the first Iron Man, but Iron Man 3 was meh. Because it was I. It wasn't it, because it just felt like they were. If I don't know what it is, but it to me the writing really seemed like they were trying to make a different kind of movie than the first one. Like it, it didn't really. I didn't. I didn't feel any flow. With I mean, I know it's a considerable amount of years later and before all the other the other movies, mm -hmm. but it's like it just seemed to kind of sit there to me and it's like i appreciated all the 80s references because i am an, i am an 80s child and all the all the stuff i really appreciated the clothes the music the mall i co i totally appreciate all that it just lacked some it just something yeah it, it was i mean it was, i didn't i didn't hate it like you said i didn't hate it i thought it was a good movie i was just in 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 superhero we're expected right now as far as superhero movies we have everybody has extremely high expectations and that's marvel's fault because everybody's seen all the marvel movies and they're like blown away like literally like what the hell what the hell right and there weren't that many what the hell moments in this movie and it's like the fight scenes were okay the cgi was fine the the little surprises in there were good 
Um, a couple of things that happened, I was kind of like, no, nah, hold on, no, 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 we're not going to do this. But it's like, all in all, it was just meh. I mean, it was like, okay, this this is why, this is why DC is behind Marvel. This is exactly why. And and I want to you touch on something that I have here in my notes. See, the, okay, the first one I thought was an outstanding movie. The first one I thought, even after multiple viewings, like the first time I was like, oh, this is great. Second time, okay, it's got some problems. Third time, yeah, you know, this is actually a fun movie. And I've seen this multiple times because it's my wife's, one of her favorite movies uh-huh. to watch it. And she wants to get hyped. So I, I watched it. Um, the problem in the beginning was that it was a DC movie and you're thinking, well, DC movies tend to have sucked. <laughs> you know, they haven't been great. And then Patty Jenkins comes yeah. along and she does the first one. And you're like, oh, this is great. And then you hear, oh, she's going to do a second one. Okay, but let me temper my expectations because it is a sequel and it is DC. So I had to bring my expectations down a bit. But the problem is it didn't even meet the lowering of the expectations. <laughs> and that was very... Very kind of disheartening. Like I had all this. I was like, okay, well, Patty Jenkins, this she she did so well in the first one. Maybe she'll get it on this one. But I know it's DC. It's a sequel, so you know, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> it's, here we go again. You know, and I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, the, okay. To be specific, the opening sequence like that opening Olympic thing, mm-hmm. that was outstanding to me. I really was, enjoyed that. It was great. That was made awesome. me feel, that made it yeah, feel like the dope. first movie. That that was dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mall sequence, it was her doing her thing, had some cheesy moments, some of the 80s stuff splashed in. It was great. And then after that, everything just kept going down and down and down. And she doesn't put the Wonder Woman costume on again for like another hour and a half. And you're like, what am I watching? You know, and it doesn't help that I spent part of the day after Christmas watching. <laughs> Actually, it was Christmas Day. We were watching um, Linda Carter's <laughs> Wonder Woman. Right. Just, just, just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I found that a tad bit more entertaining. Than this. You know, it was, oh, wow. I was like, huh. Old Wonder Woman was awesome. The thing is, the thing is Gal, Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, they were great. I must say, they were outstanding. Yes. I was yeah. impressed with Kristen Wiig. I, I thought yes. Kristen Wiig was going to drop the ball on this, but I was like, okay, she, I, I get her. We're going to get to the performances in a minute. I really want to hear Lori's take because her take or her one word description was so opposite from the rest of us. So I want to hear. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me, let me, let me give me, give me a minute to get my thoughts. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Uh, Out the gate. I am not a huge Wonder Woman fan. I could take him, take her or leave her. The first movie, I expected something different. What I got was, oh, Steve, look at me. Fight scene, fight scene. Steve, really, look at me. Fight scene, fight. Oh, Steve, look at me. That's what I got for the first movie. (laughs) I've only seen Wonder Woman once. Okay, DC movies. Okay. 
my favorite characters are Green Lantern and Jonah Hex. Uh, let's just say that I was disappointed severely on both of those movies. Uh, 1984, after I finished watching it, I immediately turned on Justice League to watch it to get a little bit of a perspective. And I hate to say, it, I think Justice League actually was the better movie. I did not hate this movie. I thought it was better. It had a better plot. The 80s stuff, I have a nitpick about the clothes, but anyway, uh, 80s kid here. Uh, I liked the parts of it that were exciting, but the talking parts, like my husband would say, there's too much talking. I am glad that I didn't go to the movies to see this because I would be like, I want my money back. But at the same time, I think that Patty Jenkins has a good idea. She has a good setup. But what she didn't do is follow through. If I'm going to watch Wonder Woman, give me Linda Carter Wonder Woman action. Don't give me a very, very, very good looking Chris Pine looking like, you know, Fonzie from, you know, Happy Days. Don't <laughs> give her the hair alone. But give me something that I can, I mean, the parts with Kristen Wiig is Cheetah up until a certain point in the movie. I'm going, I like her. I mean, I was loving Cheetah. Cheetah was my girl. And uh, whatever his name is, the Mandalorian guy. Um, Max Lord. Max, Max Lord. Well, I know he was Max Lord. I have, yeah, I have Pedro Omnibus, Pascal. With, oh. I have a, a omnibus with Max Lord, but uh, Pedro Pascal. He was good, but again, some of the movie, you know, the, the acting on him wasn't wasn't bad. I just wanted more of her in the costume. I wanted a little bit of explanation more of the plot, and uh, they they got some of the '80s stuff wrong, particularly a certain pair of shoes. But anyway, uh, it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, I got lots to say. So here was my biggest thing, or my biggest issue with Wonder Woman, and I, I kind of feel like you guys. I feel like for this to be a Wonder Woman movie, we got to see too much Diana Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and. One of the issues that I had was the fact that I felt like I don't deny that there's a chemistry between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine on the screen. I don't have a problem with that and their characters, but I feel like with this movie and also kind of sort of with the first movie, I feel like the, the Steve Trevor, Diana Prince relationship is being forced on us. Like it doesn't really feel natural to me. Um, And I say that because, like I said, I went back and watched the first movie and the first movie was more so about Diana coming out into the world after being sheltered on Themyscira for her whole life. She's in our world and she's trying to do what she needs to do, which was at that point, find Aries. Steve just happened to be, you know, the catalyst for getting her off the island, for getting her where she needed to be. But there was, there was some flirtation there. There was some banter. Of course, there was that, you know, that one night they slept together and, you know, what could have been the start of a relationship, but I never got the whole true love vibe from those two. You know, it, it, it just wasn't enough time to build that. You know, and then at the end of the movie, because of Steve's differing viewpoints from Diana's, you know, basically Steve didn't believe her 
as far as the whole Aries thing, she got mad at him. She pretty much left him to go look for Aries, save the day. And then he pretty much, they fight, they fight their own battles. He leaves to go sacrifice himself. And that's pretty much it. She remembers this whole dialogue that he has about telling her he loves her. And that's it. And I was always a little confused by her actions in the Superman movies and the Batman movies that, that we saw because she's always like stuck on this whole thing about Steve Trevor, Steve Trevor. And so I always felt like up until that point or up until this movie, I felt like she didn't really love Steve because that was her true love. I felt like she pined over him because of guilt. You know, it felt like, it felt like she felt guilty because at the end of the day, Steve was willing to do something so selfless, like sacrifice himself to save everybody else, even though they had their faults, even though things weren't going the way that Diana looked at. You know, Diana had a very black and white view when in the first movie. You know, it was basically, oh, Aries is corrupting these men now that I've killed him, which is what she thought. Oh, they should be free from his influence. And when she saw that that wasn't the case, she got a little high and mighty, I feel like. And she kind of lashed out at Steve, but Steve still stuck to his morals. He still stuck to his principles and he did what he was supposed to do. And I felt like her seeing him do that kind of made her feel guilty good <laughs> and it's like he's holding his hand up yeah okay i i i understand what you're saying i hear where you're coming from um however i have a different differing view on that i think i don't think for her it was guilt i think more or less because you touched on something she was raised a certain way the dogma that was instilled in her about men and humanity mm -hmm. and that influences her a lot well we have to kind of go with this is why the first movie is to me is pretty good is and also this sort of explains why i think she's obsessively in love with him is he is basically the first man that she meets i thought about that too and and he is if if we just put take steve trevor out of this situation just kind of look at him as a character he is an idealized man and i get this even watching the linda carter series is he is uh, he is like the perfect man the man's man and he's willing to sacrifice body for god and country and he is a true believer in the humanity of men and doing the right thing and that men are inherently good and it's our duty to take care of bad men right okay mm -hmm. and that is something that she could get behind and he, he embodies all of this, the opposite of everything she was taught to believe about men. And she finds that, that, that there, is a per, there is a man who exemplifies everything that she also believes in. Mm -hmm. But, and I think that is why she is so enraptured with him as a person. And that's why it's going to be difficult for her to ever find anyone to come close to who he is. And I think that she loves him because of that. And that's, that's why she is obsessively in love with him. I don't think it's a healthy love, 
because it's like to the exclusion of and all I, others. And I think that's the thing I'm getting. But I don't think I don't think it's like I don't really think it's guilt. I think it's like you know. Okay, there's a thing in real life where a man gets married, he has kids, he has a beautiful wife, and she dies, right? Mm-hmm. And women understand that it's going to be very difficult to reach the expectation of that wife that he had. Mm-hmm. You know, she raised these beautiful kids. She had this beautiful home. Now she's gone and he's by himself. And you have to understand that somehow certain men are going to try to hold you to that same standard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's more than just the ex-girlfriend thing. It's like this woman is gone and everything good about her is what he's going to remember. And every woman after that is going to be compared to her. And that's where Wonder Woman is. That's where Dan is now. This man was a perfect man. And he was gone. He came back. She leaped on the chance to be with him. Now he's gone again. And and that and he once again sacrifices himself. Okay. For the good and see, of that everyone. part I get. So and it's like the actions for the second movie, for this movie. I feel like that kind of justifies how she feels in Batman versus Superman and in Justice League because she's still holding on to that love. And that makes sense to me now because in 1984, she had more time with him. She actually got to spend time with him as a person doing regular things, even though, yes, they were trying to stop this plot. They still had time to bond more. So her losing him the second time around and then not finding love after that. I can get that for the See, I, I would argue with you. They actually spent less time together because if you go back to the first movie, Movie Magic, they were on a boat going from Themyscira to England. You know how long that probably took? And then they did a lot. They literally walked across okay. Europe together. They right. spent a lot of time together that we don't see. Mm, which, well, you know, mm, I mean, I think... you, have, you, you have to kind of, that's that suspension of disbelief. You want to say, well, they didn't really spend that much time. They spent a lot of time together that we don't see. Unlike, you know, in the Deathly Hallows movie, where we have to follow them for half the movie <laughs> in the forest. We actually get to see them together the whole time. But I here, in the first movie, we don't, we don't really get to see that because it really wasn't pertinent. So there were a lot of times that they did spend time together that we don't see. We got some of those moments, like at the campfire. We got a few of those moments, like when they were in the boat talking. We got a few of those moments, you know, when they're in the streets and whatnot. But we don't see all the travel time, all the time. He, she was on his right hip, basically all the way up until No Man's Land. And, okay. he, and from he, when he landed on Themyscira to when she took the field in, 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 at No Man's Land, that was probably a month or more that they had been together. Okay, here's my thing. I don't think that this is necessarily Steve Rogers as the perfect man. I just think of this as a dearth of choices. Not a dearth of good choices, a dearth of choices, period. She's the first man he saw. Then everyone else is, I mean, it, this is like, she. most most young girls have, have, most women have seen more by her age Women have seen probably hundreds of men, just seen them. And this is one of the first, he's one of the first men she has seen, period. So it's a dearth of choices. It's like, okay, 
uh, hey. Then she sees someone else like, okay, you're still better. Eh, okay, you're still better. Eh, okay, you're still a little better. But it's like, okay. I mean, I get that, but it's still like... And but you still go 40 years after experiencing that one person and you don't even... Okay, let me let me back up. I mean, the woman is Am I ex- over a thousand years old. It's, I, I mean, and he's really, I, really... A, 40 years is like a blink of an eye for her. I have a question. But he's really, so, really good looking. So am <laughs> I the only person who looked at the picture on her desk and, and jumped to the conclusion that she married Chief? That's what it looked like in the picture. Like, it looked like... Yeah. Okay. So one, someone yeah. else, one of the other guys, had gotten married, and they were at the wedding. That was okay, wedding. but she was, but she was in a white dress, and she was holding a bouquet as well. Yeah. So all the women in the picture had bouquets and had. It was only dress. two women. That's the thing. It, it, the, it way that the, attitude, yes, the, right? the, the way that the picture looked, it almost looked like it might have been a double ceremony. That was the gist that I no, got. No, we, okay. we went back and paused it because Michelle had the same question. Okay. And we we looked at it. We realized that she wasn't the one getting married. It was. Um, one of the other guys was getting married. Carly she, was getting married, I think. Yes, and but, okay. she was and she happened she was in the wedding. Okay, so but, then you know, again, was, this brings me back to my point. 40 years goes by. That is nothing to her. She's over a thousand years old. What's for what's 40 years? I'm sorry. Yeah. If I'm if I was over a thousand years old and I, I was able to experience that once. It's not that's that, not a thousand years though. You get you're making it seem like she hadn't had like like the old like the old Eddie Murphy thing where he comes out of the desert and he eats a saltine and it's the best thing he's had. Well, I mean that's that's basically what they're trying to make us think thing, because think about it, she never saw a man on Themyscira. She was yeah, and what, that whole and then, time. Right, and then what happens when the the one man that she had kind of idealized? I oh, and going, I didn't mean to say he was the perfect man. I was saying to her, he right. was the ideal. No, I got, I yeah, I got and that. and. To her, any man after that is not going to compare, especially when she has already said that when you look at what men men are doing, she had a low opinion of him after but that the thing anyway. Is, she didn't even try. That's, that's, it's that's only the been, issue that I had. She hadn't met Clark yet. And Bruce is not going to help the situation. Neither is Arthur. Neither is Arthur. Arthur might be a little too much for her. I'm just going to say. <laughs> my, my thing is this. She literally says at a certain point, I'll never love again. I'm like, girl, you don't know that. Don't. Oh, that I would, yeah, I, I would take issue with that. But she and does, see, she that, doesn't know but that. That's and, the, but I understand that part of it. I but I also like... understand that 40 years, 50 years, 60 years is nothing to someone who's over a thousand years old. Something about it's like the va- it's like vampires. Come on now, the vampires go through this all the time. It's the same thing. It's like, oh God, this I know, whatever. This is fleeting. Thing. This is this nothing. This is the thing that I have the issue with. So you take this strong female character who's supposed to be about saving mankind and protecting mankind. And then it's almost like they made her whole motivation for doing what she's doing. Love. 
Now that that I agree with you. That is that is a problem. That's what I have the issue. That 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 is that that in my notes. That's one of the issues. Other than that, because other than that, I don't have a problem with the relationship as a whole, especially the way that it played out in this particular movie. Like the fun thing about it was in the first movie, you know, Diana was the one who had been sheltered from the world, so she was the one learning everything anew. Hers was a little bit more. I think it was just a little bit more, you know, she had more ignorance about things like she really didn't know how the world worked. So it was it was interesting seeing her learn all of that stuff. Steve Trevor, on the other hand, when he comes back, it's just a whole different world from the world that he's been exposed to before. So watching him navigate this and learn about stuff was like watching a kid going through Willy Wonka land. It was fun. I it was actually a clip of when they first met. Exactly, like, but it was so much more fun because his expressions were so much more unguarded and they were more open that, you know, Diana was still kind of guarded when she was, you know, in the first movie. I think the 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 one main time we saw her express kind of like joy at something new was when she ate the ice cream. But this, it was like you got to see... And I guess, like you said, Anthony, in the first movie, we didn't see a lot of the quote unquote bonding with them because most of that probably happened off screen while they were traveling. In this movie, we got to see it a little bit more. And so for me, knowing how she is in, you know, B versus S and Justice League, as far as Steve Trevor goes, that makes a lot more sense knowing that she had a chance to reconnect with him in in 84. But Still, I felt like for them to make that the focus of why she's doing the things that she is doing, like, and I understand her motivations too. She's like, okay, why can't I save people and still have love? Why can't I have this? I understand that. I get it. I do. But to make her this all-powerful woman and to make her motivation for what she's doing, the love of a man, I just... It, yeah, and I it's think a that's problematic where, for me. That that's where Patty Jenkins kind of failed this whole situation, is um, with her and with um, Barbara Minerva, Cheetah's character. Right. It's the same thing because you made her defined by how she's viewed by men, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why I'm the one saying this, but that to me is a problem. Like, it oh, is. she goes from. Ooh, she she can't really walk in high heels. To oh, now she can walk in high heels. Or she wasn't hot; no one was noticing her. Now she's hot, and everyone's noticing her. And or, I'm like, oh, 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 she's getting assaulted by this man because she can't defend herself, and now right. she's kicking him in the middle of the street and beating and beating his ass. Right. And it, all, all the yeah, time, standing up for misogyny, and I'm like. And that, that's that's the that's another issue that I had with the movie because it's like when you introduce her. First of all, can we stop with the smart girls, smart boys have the nerdy glasses? They're kind of introverts. Can can we please stop with that trope? It's never going to you know? end. It's never no, going to end. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a big eighties thing, though. The big eighties thing was going from from nerd to hot was. That was, and I think that was one of the 80s things they wanted to do in this. And, I, 
It's the Pygmalion yeah, trope. The, it's the Pygmalion yeah. My Fair Lady trope where yeah, you have the one woman who's a bookie. She's a bookworm and oh my God, no, no boys don't like me. And she's walking around clutching her books to her chest. Then all of a sudden she gets confidence and she busts out as a as a woman and she's gorgeous and, and she like all the workers to the wind and, her or now and, and, and it's entirely her. different. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, a, it's a trope from the beginning of writing and it's not going anywhere because it's it's sloppy writing because it's way too easy because everybody everybody does that shit. So it's well, like, they did it. They did it perfectly in the eighties and it's called Romancing the Stone. Okay, that was perfect. You know, you know, Gene Walder, the whole thing, you know, the girl, you know, the thing with Mike Kirk, wait, 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 Douglas. Wait. Her it's name was Michael Wilder. Kirk. Joan Wilder. Joan, Joan oh, Wilder. I was about to say, wait, that's an entirely Gene. different say, wait a second, like, That's the wrong movie. Are we talking, did we switch to Silver Streak? How did that No, happen? no, no. I was talking about the, the, the trope with the, the I nerdy, got you, I got you. Yeah, with, with, with the movie Romancing the Stone. That was perfect. That... I can't even tell you how many times I watched the movie, but that was done perfectly well, and that actually made sense. In this movie, I, I don't like it because at that time it's supposed to be 1984. I can guarantee you, somebody of Barbara's stature on the weekends was taking those crappy little self-defense classes with the guy dressed up in a sumo costume, hitting them. You know, I mean, they they did that back in the eighties. You know, they had these women who were professionals. They were taking these self-defense classes. They were uh, reading a third edition of, of, you know, I'm woman, hear me roar. So this whole poor defenseless thing, but I have a PhD. You're right. It, it's been overdone, overworked. And it really got on my nerves. But I think that the character did kind of redeem herself. But yeah, you know, you're right. You, you know, it, it shouldn't just be, you know, the men on the podcast going, hey, uh, whatever. I mean, it was grading. Yeah. It, the, the thing is, I understand that they were, I understand that they wanted to pull a lot of things that were 80s type things. And that was a big right. 80s thing. So yeah. I understand that. But I think, I, I think the way they did it just I, I just had so many problems with it yeah you know? i just mm -hmm. i just did like it's okay when you want to call back to things but there's a certain way to do it like i understand they want to do the fish out of water thing with steve and i thought they could have mined it a little bit more story-wise because the difference is she in the first movie she went from like absolute no knowledge i mean like knowledge but like absolutely no experience mm -hmm. to being thrown into this totally different world mm -hmm. he it, it may be a different world but there's familiarity mm -hmm. like there was phones when he was around you have phones now there was airplanes when he was around they're just different so it was like for him it was like it was like oh wow this was you know it was great then but this is like really cool now Mm -hmm. You know, like we listen to music. Now I can carry the music around with me. Right. I, I understand. I that I didn't have as much of a problem with that as I did with with just. I don't know. It. I, I don't know. It just seemed like misogyny was written into the plot. And I don't know. which again, now that y'all say <laughs> it is 1984, so I do get that. But I guess just it's hard having a 2020 mindset. Mm -hmm. trying to you know constantly even 
even now, like there are still things that I like my, my kids tell me this all the time. Like when I tell them about certain things that used to happen when I was their age or when I was, you know, a teenager, just some of the things that was said or done or, you know, how I was treated by guys or just that sort of thing. They're like, I could not have lived in the time that you lived. They were like, it's just, it's so, it's such a foreign concept. So a, a lot of times I'll say things and they'll say, no, you shouldn't think that way because this, that, and other. So it's like, even now, I find myself trying to correct certain behaviors or certain ways that I think about that are not acceptable in 2020 that, you know, that's, that's what I grew up with in the eighties and nineties, you know, because that's, that's just the way things were. So even now I'm trying to correct myself on certain things, but to go back and look at, so to go back and look at how things were in 1984 and watch that and try to keep myself in a frame of mind of no this is you know it's it's just weird it's it's one thing looking at a a show that's you know based in the 1700s or 1800s because you can actually look and say oh no that was that was how they acted 200 years ago we don't act like that now but you think about it 1984 is only 30 years ago you know it's just it's hard to this might be a problem (laughs) that they have I'm going to venture to assume, I know it's bad to assume, that a great deal of the majority of the people that went to go see this movie also watched Stranger Things. And you may not be thinking about it in your head, but it's in your subconscious. And Stranger Things hits you over the head and beats you down with nostalgia every single freaking episode. But guess what? You don't really think about it. I mean, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, I forgot about that. And they weave it into the story. Mm-hmm. Well, here it's like, let's, let's, how can we make this look more 80s? Mm-hmm. As opposed to let's, let's do it as if we did this movie then. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't want to use, I hate when people use this word, but there was, it was a lack of authenticity that, that really bothered me about the whole movie. And I've seen that comment a lot um, since the movie has come out. A lot of people have complained about the fact they're like, okay, we know it's supposed to take place in 1984, but a lot of people didn't feel like it was, you know, 1984, like, oh, they threw some breakdancing in there and, Mm -hmm. you know, this here. But everything else is kind of like, it wasn't very... It didn't feel very 80s. Yeah, it wasn't right. it wasn't authentic. Barbara's outfit when she had the limited outback red uh safari skirt with the leggings and the shoes and That's the wear real. pegs top. That was 1986. That did not come out until 1986 because I got that for Christmas in 1985 going into 86. Okay? That thing was 2 years early. I can't. I can't believe you have the. Do you have the catalog number two and like? The- <laughs> look! 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 I had to negotiate with my grandfather for two months to get that skirt. I remember it very well. <laughs> Trust me. If you were a if you were a young lady and in nineteen eighty four I was twelve years old. Nineteen eighty six I was fourteen. That was those years. You would go to the mall. You would walk into the limited and you'd be like, because uh, everything was like, you have to go to Australia. They had the white blouses and they had the skirt and the skirts 
had like a little metallic sort of like sheen tool, like parachute pants, right? right? And the leggings. And first of all, the leggings should have had, wait, wait, Hanukkah. They needed legging. They needed lace on them. <laughs> and, and she needed the socks that went over her foot that went with the leggings that had the lace around the collar. Yes, now, I am that old. I will I say this that old fashion. Okay. <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> Watching Steve Trevor try on that. Oh, priceless, priceless. <laughs> that was amazing. Mm -hmm. so, th there were some things that they did hit mm -hmm. right as far as Maybe. that. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I said, okay, so one of the complaints I have seen about the movie is a lot of people were like, oh, they could have left Steve Trevor out. No, I think Steve Trevor was actually one of the best things in this movie. Like, even the way that they brought him back. Oh, yeah. Was, it was kind of like, because, uh, you know, watching the promos for this film and not knowing anything about the plot or the premise or whatever, seeing that, first of all, hearing that street Steve Trevor was coming back, I was like, how in the hell are they going to do this? I mean, the fact that he blew up in the plane. And yes, Anthony. You brought it up. <laughs> this, okay. So my, my other really huge issue is don't be bringing Quantum Leap into my movies. Don't do it. So, so all the problems with the whole Steve Trevor thing. One, I have my notes here. One, poor guy. Like, does he have a job? I mean, if he had, because he leaps into this guy's body, right? Does he have a job? Does he have a family? Like, is he going to get fired for not showing up to work? Right. I wondered about that too. Is, is it, okay. I think the non consensual um, intimacy, it, it's not Steve's body. Did the guy give consent? No, he didn't. This isn't like Ghost where she was like, he was like, um, can I get in your body so I can kiss Molly? You know, that was consent. She, she would be allowed him to do it. But here, there was no consent at all. Even in Quantum Leap, they had the person there in the future in Sam's body talking to them like is this okay should we do this this is what we're going to do consent this guy no clue also no his soul is displaced <laughs> is he still there or is he gone somewhere i'm just i have all these problems because because the way these wishes work nuclear bombs materialize from nowhere right. like oh we all of a sudden have 75% more nuclear bombs than we had a minute ago. Right. So you why know, couldn't you just bring just Steve back in your body? Oh no. So then, no, now they're trying now they're trying to go with the genie wish issue, you know, when the genie told Aladdin they can't bring anyone back dead because you know, that's a messy situation. But I'm just saying they brought they had nuclear bombs from nowhere, money materializing nowhere, people having heart attacks because someone wished them dead. Walls appearing out of nowhere. Huge walls, but you can't bring back Steve in a regular body. <laughs> this poor sap, you had to steal his life for a week. Come on, guys. I'm done. I'm done. Because how can you bring Steve back when his body was blown up in a plane? You can't materialize his body out of nothing. 
nuclear weapons that came <laughs> yeah. from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. But see, they, but they, they are, those are inanimate objects. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I was gonna, I, I was yeah, gonna say, I, yeah. I, I fall in yeah. that too. <laughs> I wish y'all could see the look on Anthony's face. You don't think, you don't think some priceless. girl somewhere wished for look, a pony. Look, I'm, I'm, somebody I'm, I'm wished, really somebody wished for a pony and got, oh, geez. dude <laughs> wished for a farm. He oh yeah, the guy who wished for cows. all the animals outside. The guy who wished for cows. He was like, I wish for a farm. What am I gonna do with my cows? So yeah, okay. But but the, they wait. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Come I'm on, just son. they, I'm like, they wasted they wasted a perfect cameo though. Okay. Now now follow along with me here. When they had the Ymir and they mentioned that he was from Kondok, they could have spent a half a million dollars, a half a day, and they could have had the rock do a brief 20 second as Black Adam, maybe showing up, waking out of the tomb or something. That would have been perfect. In fact, I was actually waiting for it, but it didn't happen. Because when they mentioned Kondok and Baia, I'm like, well, just throw a quick little two second, The Rock being Black Adam as a future taste of the Black Adam movie that's going to come out eventually. Or even even better, when she had discovered everything about the previous societies that had crumbled while after using it, I mean, throw a picture of Black Adam in there. Or ISIS even. Yes. Yeah. Even, that could have been cool. Even when he said, you know, I want, you know, something to help me keep these people off my land. I was saying, oh, that's a wake up call for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could. They, they could have. They, they, in fact, if they were really nerdy and if she just didn't even want to do black out, they could have thrown in Hawkman and Hawker really quick, you know? I mean, they could have done something like that. I mean, they wasted an opportunity. But my thing is, is that I understand that they had to put Chris Pine in the movie. And I don't like how they did it. And Anthony, you were right on all points. But I, I, I think that the quantum leap thing, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. But they needed to have something a la quantum leap showing maybe just a little or a reference or something because disbelief went out the window. Because one minute she's like, leave me alone. And then he puts the watch in her hand and she magically looks up. She goes, oh, it's Steve. And then they were off and popping. And I'm like, ah. now that, 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 that happened because of the conversation. It didn't just Yeah, I was going to say, I think that was because of the conversation because technically speaking, I think the, the, the original guy or the host body, if you want to call him that, I think he was what everybody else saw. Diana was right. the only person was like who saw Lee. him as Steve Trevor. Yeah, basically. And I, you know what? I have seen other people uh, reference Quantum Leap in, in regards to this movie, so that's not far off. Yeah. And, and, I, they, and, they, and they tried to throw, a, throw something in like, well, he only has pictures of himself in his apartment. Yeah, whatever. Guy has a family. Okay. He but, has he has cousins. He has you know. Mom, and I understand that, somebody. and I get your concern, but I didn't really care about all that because <laughs> I like I like I said. These I, are the things that occupy your mind when you're trying to watch a movie. I understand that, but I was just glad to see Chris Pine on my screen, and like I said, I like what they did with the character as far as his um you know his childlike wonder at how the you know how the world changed. Okay, I have to say this too. The reveal of the invisible jets. Oh, it was awesome! One of the best parts of the awesome. like, like when they when they walked into the hangar, I was like, "Are they gonna put the invisible jet in this movie?" And then when they got in the regular plane, I was like, 
oh, I'm I'm feeling let down. And then when she started to do her thing and it went invisible, y'all, I cried. I really cried. I was like, okay, like this is okay. worth it. Like it was that it was, was awesome. like one of the amazing, amazing parts of the of the of the movie. And then his reaction to the invisible jet and to seeing like everything from what he was seeing, it was just, it was amazing. Yes, Mike, you have a question. Your hand is up. Okay, so I'm not, I'm, I'll preface this by saying I have not read Wonder Woman comic books. Okay, I have Is either. there any reference of her being, having this power anywhere? No. The power to, no. Make, the power to make things disappear. No. So basically, uh, they, 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 let me uh, let me uh, let me go pull the deep. Because this see, this let, is like this is like what like, Anthony always says is something you just throw in something to explain. No. They 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 like, want like oh, she has a jet. You know what'd be cool if it was invisible? Yeah, but how do we do that? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh make her make it invisible. Wait, how? Just say she's been practicing it and she thinks she can do it. Yeah. So okay, cool. And it's, and it's something, I mean, I can appreciate it. And I'm like, okay, Invisible Jet. The scenes where the Invisible Jet was in were really fucking cool. I'll give yeah. them that. You you but must have been a fly on the wall in that conversation because that sounds exactly what the conversation was. I'm 100% the production meeting. It had to be the conversation. Like, oh, we got to do some fan service. Like, 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 I thought she was like, is she going to say I doken before she does it? I'm not sure what's going on here. She was just no, like, she, like, okay, it's coming. It's coming. And I'm like, she, she does she does not have that power. Well, this, that, okay, so this is, the, this is the way that I kind of this was my head cannon this is how i get <laughs> away because if you think about it in the first movie diana didn't find out until the end of the movie that she's part god mm -hmm. so maybe in maybe that was maybe that was a manifestation of her powers yeah with that mindset that okay I'm part God. Maybe there are some other things I can do. And of course, she's been yeah. trying. But she said her father could do it. Why couldn't she? So. Right. Exactly. So that that's that's which is perfectly fine. It just like Michael said, it may not have been that necessary. Right. But, but that I, that was not my problem though. <laughs> my problem with that was okay. Initially, my first reaction was. Who at the Smithsonian thought it would be a good idea to have jets and planes? A fully, a, a fully, fully fueled, not partially fueled, fully fueled enough to fly to and from the Middle no, East. No, 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 not to and from. Off the ground, flying around a little bit, then flying there, then flying back. Yeah. No. But, but, but by, you know, as pointed out to me by the person in my house, Related to me by marriage, she turned to me and she said, "If you think about it, how smart were the people in the '80s at that stuff anyway? That would be something no one would do now. But in the, in the '80s, mid '80s, that yeah. might have been something that would have been possible that they just kept them fueled up for no apparent reason, yeah. not thinking that no one would ever come in there and try to fly them. But as we know, that fuel gets worse over time." anyway so it wouldn't be it wouldn't it wouldn't be a good idea to keep fueling jet I, maybe the engineer could tell us something about this you know but i okay, as so far as i'm like regular gas you put gas in a car 
in a year or two, if you still have that same tank of gas in there, it starts to go inert and it didn't work. And I think the same thing happens yeah. to jet fuel after some time too. Yeah, I could be wrong. Oh, so you're saying you're saying the rockets in there still have a little bit of fuel in there too? So you <laughs> blast off through the roof of the dog on Smithsonian? No, that's yeah. Come on now. I mean, I understand yeah. if you have a little bit in there to move them around for stuff, but fully fuel. They would evaporate over time. The 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 burn off of it wouldn't you you if anything they they actually uh, if memory serves me from a certain place I work at uh, they actually only keep enough fuel in them to move them around like Anthony yeah. said but they don't necessarily top them off and they do switch out the fuel every six months or so if they're going to be just like staying there I need to grab a different book because she because she said pick one. Pick one, which means right. she knew that they were all fueled. That's true. She did. She did. So. Oh God, I'm sorry. Who cares about that? The invisible jet. It was cool. I just, you know, I mean, is she is she going to become a firebender next? I mean, it's like, <laughs> what what other power is she going to develop? Just just for plot points. I mean, she, she's she a god. She's a god. The power. Able to grow yes. five feet just to get over, just to get over something and then be able to shrink, or is like what? Okay, let's see I mean, this. yes, the 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 scene was problematic in that sense, but I mean, I agree, it was cool. Results. I mean, the, the the way they did it was cool, it was and cool. the flying through the fireworks was really cool. And yeah, I, and I, I think I, also, I mean, cool. it's just it was it was great because also you get like like you got to see it from steve's point of view because again the planes that he flew in back in the what was it 30s 40s when <laughs> 1916 okay okay yeah 12 19 eight, yeah and first world war i was high as as this plane could i mean he's like experiencing all of this like anew so watching him experience that was fun but but he but he did he did seem to realize that it could go above go over there because he was flying and then he was like watch this okay. and then he flew way up and above so apparently he knew that they could go higher but well I mean think about it he saw that he saw the the regular um, seven forty seven or whatever it was flying above so he had to I mean in order to be a pilot you have to be a pretty smart dude. So I'm guessing he probably figured, okay, with time and with technological advances, okay, maybe this thing can do a little bit more than it could back when I was flying planes. Because the, the cool thing that I kept noticing throughout the movie, with especially with him, is if you remind yourself that he was an intelligence officer, that he was a spy. Right. And one of the things that spies have to do is adapt in any situation they're thrown in, which he was obviously really good at because right. he was good at infiltration. He was good at pretending, picking up languages, picking up technology. So I'm sure seeing some of the things, he's like, okay, he, in his mind, he kind of worked some of that stuff out on his own. But like you said, he probably was like, well, if that thing exists, then I'm sure, because he would be able to tell with the change of air pressure if something was not going to be right flying mm -hmm. up that high. But he, he obviously knew in his mind yeah. that he probably figured it out himself. Now, I grabbed the Wonder Woman Ultimate Guide to the Amazon Princess written by Scott Beatty, and it says here that Gravitonian technology, the invisible jet harness, graviton particles, electrical neutral, gravity-defined quantum particles for subsonic 
propulsion to the air and space. A stranded orbit, the jet can repossess dynamics breath for up to two hours of breathable oxygen. So the latest version of Wonder Woman's invisible jet, perhaps the most advanced aircraft conceived, was designed by Amazon engineers. And when the Amazon took up the challenge of rebuilding the uh, Sharkly Mascara, Diana asked if the Wonder Dome could contribute to the technology, uh, biological secrets of the reconstruction effort. So basically, Thermoscara used Amazonian uh, architecture to possess miraculous adaptive qualities, and they basically manufactured the invisible jet for her, and she had her own hangar uh, outside of Thermoscara. Okay, so basically what happened in the film was basically just a film Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I'm not going to point out that I'm nerdy enough that I actually have a Wonder Woman guide that I can just grab. I, I think I, I can I, appreciate I, that. <laughs> I am really impressed. That's yeah. awesome. But I, you know, I think, you know, of course, a lot of times when you have, um, when you have films that are based on some kind of, you know, literary canon, they have to make changes for it to make mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. in the film and i didn't think there was much wrong with that i I, yeah. it, I thought it was fine yeah it was i mean it was just they wanted to put it in there they wanted to have the visible jet right and i mean if Go you ahead. think about it i mean think about it diana was told in the first film if she left the mascara she would never be able to return so the for her to have contact with them and for them to make a jet it wouldn't make sense in this film world because we've already been told she can never go back right so right. Yeah. you know that that kind of that that makes a lot of sense but um yeah so again invisible jet one of the cool things about it um I want to move on to something else that was really cool because we spent so much time talking about some of the stuff we didn't like the reveal of area yes when i saw those eyes i immediately knew who it was and i burst into tears i was like did they put her in this movie and i was like oh that's all we're gonna get and then we get that amazing scene mid-credits where she's walking down the street in her little blue you know, her little blue shawl and she saves the kid and she turns around and it's fucking Linda Carter. Yes. I screamed. I was like, yes, this just made everything that I just sat through worth it. <laughs> like, the hair. As soon as you saw the shawl and you hair. saw the hair, you knew it was her. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And it but makes it perfect was... sense. And it's, it's about time they put her in the damn movie because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like, and, and it's, but it's a good character for them to put her in because She's because it was her armor, which is the she's the person that saved Amazonia, and she's and I was like, okay, now that's what you call that was fitting. And, and you know I, when I, I they really mentioned her, when they mentioned her, when Diana mentioned her earlier in the movie before they sh showed her, I also felt like, and also I think they mentioned her in the first was it the first scene of the movie or was it in the last movie? Something where she was mentioned. It was in the opening scene of this movie. Okay. I figured I was like, oh, it would be so cool if that was Linda Carter. I literally thought that in my head and I just, you know, I just kind of let it pass because of course, you know, that's not going to happen. Then like I said, when I saw the eyes, I was like, oh my God, did they really put her in this movie? Like, and then of course, after oh I can't even say it because Lori's not caught up on the Mandalorian, 
But... Oh, it's fine. I know what happened. Oh, okay. No, it's not fine. No, it's not. Okay. No, it's... She, she, I think she does know this part. So after that reveal in the man, oh, you haven't watched. Okay, so let me hush. But yeah, so anyway, so I wasn't expecting that. When I saw the eyes, I was like, okay, did they really put her in? Like, are they putting her in? And then of course, like I said, we get seen with her at the end. It was just kind of like, like, how do you talk? That's, that's how you end a movie. That was that's one of the better things about the movie. Yeah. And, and she's and so iconic. such a fitting way to pay tribute and homage to her, you know, because Linda Carter is what made that character popular for our generation. I'm glad yeah. they gave her her flowers before she's gone because everybody's dying now. And I'm like, thank you for giving her her freaking flowers because right. she's the one and who she looks crying. good. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Does. And, and, and just and the fact that I had just watched the first two episodes of the original series, mm-hmm. it was it was amazing to see her and see that round face again. She's because she's great. Yeah. I thought it and was she great. doesn't she doesn't do a lot of cons. In fact, the, the last con that she did was uh, I believe it was um, uh, either Baltimore or Charlotte's uh, Heroes Con. And she sold tickets to her uh, night with Linda Carter, where she basically did her uh, her Vegas act. And you got to go and you got to see. And then afterwards, she signed limited edition uh, and limited uh, numbered items. Uh, so she doesn't do a lot. So if you see her, you know, we, I know we'll probably never go to cons again for at least three or four years. Oh, but, if you get, <laughs> but if we ever get to go back and if she does do, I trust me, just like I, I'll, I was glad that uh, my niece was able to actually get a video and get an autograph from Tiny Lister a couple of years ago. Uh, if you see some of them, uh, go up if you can and say hi, because like I said, give them their flowers now because they're all getting older and, you know, it's, it, it, she was so important to me as a little girl. Like I said, I'm not a huge Wonder Woman fan, but I love Linda Carter. Right, right. Yeah. She, I mean, she was like one of my original little boy crushes. Like, I think she was my original little boy crush because it's like, I mean, look at her. Like, oh my God. Like, she literally was, I think I actually... Being the nerd that I am, I like Diana Prince more than I liked Wonder Woman because she was the smart mm-hmm. one. So right. of course I was the weird one that was like that. It was but it was the glasses. It was definitely the glasses. <laughs> Trust me, it was because right. yeah, I mean, when she came when she came on screen in the in in her with her with the hair bun and everything. Like, and the, I was like, okay, yeah, I remember that. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the woman was gorgeous and she still is she absolutely was. gorgeous. She was. This all we my, my mother-in-law was watching with me and she's like, oh my gosh, she was such a beautiful woman. Cause she she really and she still is. Like she, she hasn't she hasn't changed much at all. She really hasn't. Like true That's Amazon, amazing. like she she looks the same, like just absolute gorgeous. And it was so so great to see her in the film. So yeah. You know, I don't know. It, we do know that they are moving forward with the Wonder Woman 3. I don't know if they'll be able to work her character in there somehow, but I would love to see her in in another movie. It will that would just be awesome. Because yeah. they had her in Supergirl for a while playing the uh the president who was an alien. I think she was on about what four or five episodes of Supergirl. Mm, okay. 
I so, want to see her, and I want to see Nubia since she won. She won the Olympic thing, and she was, you know, because I mean that that's an obvious nod to know Nubia when when right. the black woman won the um won right. the Olympic thing. So right. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her maybe too. If if they did, which I which they won't do, if they did a, a Wonder Woman movie where the majority of it was on theme mascara, I would be so down just because I'm fascinated by them. I mean, the scenes that you see them every time, it's like, and those women, uh, they train together as, as a unit, like the, the women did for uh, a Black Panther, yeah. and they put them all together. They were for several weeks, months, and to get the look and, you know, the shape up and the workout, you know, and get and everything. If they would just do Thermoscare, I would actually not have a complaint and be happy. You know? I would be down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since we're talking about positive things, like I said, I thought the opening scene was great. The mall scene was great. Kristen Wiig was amazing. I thought her performance, her performance, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get her for the writing because that's not her fault, but she made that character shine. Yes. The whole movie. And I thought she was perfect. Hans Zimmer, the music was amazing. I mean, like, Hans Zimmer, come on. I mean, who, who else yeah. would Hans Zimmer give I mean, a soundtrack for? It, it was amazing. Um, and yeah. like I said, the actors all did good. The chemistry between Gail Godot and Chris Pine is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I even like the chemistry between her and Kristen Wiig. I thought they were good. They were great together. They too. were really good together. And I, you know, I like the fact that the one thing about this film is like you, they've always been described as like the villains of the film, Max Lord and and Cheetah. And I just didn't really get that villain vibe from Mm -hmm. either character, especially not uh, Kristen Wiig's character. Like her character was obviously, it was more of a self-preservation thing. You know, she... She had been overlooked and just kind of shunned all of her life. And she she had gotten to a point where people were paying attention to her and she didn't want to lose that. And I under I can understand that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think of her as a villain for that. Um, even just defending Max Lord because that was where that power was coming from, especially once she figured, once they figured out that he had become um the what was what what did they call it? The t- some sort of the stone I forget the name of it but oh, yeah the, the monkey's paw the monkey's <laughs> paw but I I love that the only thing that took me out but I had to reset my mind is the final cheetah costume I was kind of a little a bit upset that she did have a little hood thing but I got over it, like within two seconds oh my god did, have y'all did y'all see the meme where it showed like like where, where we were, where we are now, where it had, it had someone, they were talking about her and they said where we, where we were and it showed her with the jacket on and said where we are now and it showed a picture of Jennifer Hudson and Cat in the Cats movie. Oh, jeez. I, <laughs> I missed that. No, I saw the meme where they had all the nerds for all the comic book movies, including Jamie, uh, Jamie Foxx uh, as Electro and they had them all in a row saying we have got to stop doing this and I was like, oh, okay, that's just yeah. fine. But I, I, I agree with you guys. I think that Kristen Wiig did an amazing job. I didn't think she was a villain. I don't even think that Max Lord was 
trying to be the villain. No. I, I think it was one of those things that he got caught up so quickly and I don't I think it would have been more of a villain for him if we would have seen in earlier scenes him in his office with the uh the the pictures of the stone planning to do what he did at the party mm -hmm. see him scheming but we just got oh he got it and then you went back you find out after the fact that he'd been spending x amount of time investigating then it would have been more of a, vi a villain vibe see the, 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 that's one of the problems with this movie is they they either okay a they should have picked they should have chose one or the other and not done both mm -hmm. and because it feels like two half done movies kind of put together sort of like get, yeah yeah it, it, i it, i personally it would have been better for me if let's say barbara minerva was you know on some exhibition or somewhere an excursion and she found this magic talisman that turns her into what she becomes and then the movie is about her and wonder woman going back and forth that's actually her origin story I, she's I also an amazon i know i'm just saying yeah. that would have oh, been well, a yeah, story yeah. and and max lord could have been because you know the satellite thing was this thing in the comic book they could right. have gone along with that and that's a separate movie yeah but I think the biggest problem they had was she just, Wonder Woman just fought and defeated a god. So what kind of villain are you going to come up with for her to fight, you know? Okay, and I see what you're is, saying about that. This is what they came up with. I got it. Okay, so uh, real real quick. I understand, I think, what, Lori, did you, you said there was an origin story for Cheetah where she was an explorer and gained those powers somehow. No, she was an Amazon. No, she, she was an Amazon. Okay, she, she was, was Diana's biggest competitor on yeah. Thermoscara. That's because that, that's what I, was, I thought she was going to be a character in those Olympics too. When I first saw the saw that, okay, but she I, should I, have been technically, yeah. Well, I'm saying is like your point about her maybe doing an expedition and finding something and then somehow changing into the cheetah would have been way too close to the, how the Enchantress came about in Suicide Squad, and I don't see mm. them kind of running running around because that's how that's that, that's how the enchantress got that's how she became the yeah. enchantress the woman went she went into an ink and whatever and got cursed yeah and, well and well suicide cool. squad blew it on so many levels so we can't even begin to count <laughs> but that's a different story yeah but see that's what i'm saying it's like they couldn't have done that because i mean that would have that would have harkened them back to that movie and this movie already has enough problems without being compared to suicide squad well, then you have you have the same thing in Shazam too. Well, yeah, but but no, I, I agree because it, okay, here's the thing: if they would have done that, it would have made the fight at the White House so much more powerful. Okay, it would have been awesome because you would have had this buildup of these two women over like years of not necessarily hating each other but being uh competing against each other trying to have one always one up the other because there have been times that cheetah has beat wonder woman fair and square wonder woman's like yeah she got me you know but they didn't do that instead we got this wimpy woman who should have been taking self-defense classes and instead she had really really cool clothes and i actually want that jacket well it's it's it, it's back to the i call it the superman conundrum where you can't have a character that's so op that's so overpowered right you have to give them a villain that's equally as powerful or more powerful you know that's why that's why man of steel is a great movie i think that's one of the better 
DC mm. movies. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you get the two of them squaring off. You know, where do you go from there? You have to come up with an even more powerful being for him to fight. And that's the same thing with her is she had to fight Ares, the god of war. She defeats him. Then what are you going to put her up against? You know, because she's <laughs> she's stronger than any other Amazonian. And yeah. she doesn't. She doesn't really have a so, decent uh, rogues gallery anyway. That, you've got Giganta. A, you've got that's Cheetah. The that's about it. That's the writer's fault because of how they they right. frame her as basically a sidekick in the big three. No, I don't. I don't, I don't well, well, but then you well, know, they try, I, would, they I would. I wouldn't they, put they try, her they have as tried, that. They have, they have fixed it over the years. Yeah. But let's, not, let's not get it twisted. There right. was a time when right. she was not given her right. due and treated as such. They've gotten a lot better. Right, but she's you know, yeah. I, I think her she works better in her yeah. characterization. I don't I don't, I don't she, now, she works better on a she works better on a team, especially if you're doing the satellite stuff. You know, she's much better as a team player there than in the because like I said, she doesn't have the world's greatest rogues gallery. I don't, I don't, I don't buy the Rose Gallery thing because before the Iron Man movie, can you name even after Iron Man movie, can you name one of one of his main his main people, one or five? Can you name five? Man, five of his his main arch enemies. Mandarin from the movies? No, from the com- no from the com- oh, from the comics. Uh, Mandarin, Black Knight, uh, Black uh, uh, the the guy with the crossbow, uh, not Black Knight, but the other one. Uh, you also had Modok. You also had the thing where he went up against uh, Craven a little bit, and then you also had the Craven, thing where no, he was uh, in the Defenders, uh, and they went up against uh, the X Men. Spider Man. Nope, Craven. Spider-Man. That doesn't count. No, no, no. Cra- well, oh yeah, you're right. Craven is Spider Man. <laughs> no. But that's my point. And you well, said, no, no, because okay, you have the Mandarin. See, Iron right? Man was a B level. Was a he a was B, B, he was D level, but he did have the Mandarin, and that was the problem with Iron Man three because they didn't do the Mandarin right. It would have been much bigger if they would done but, it. But but, but he but he he that's either here or that. But you're you're right. But at the same time, at least I could name at least one. Okay, with her, you got Cheetah, Giganta. Two. Okay, and Aries. Okay, but you name you name. Hey, Aries is sort of a whole. Amazon thing, not just Let's her. See, but, and, but that's and, my point. It's like you have you have somebody. If you give someone good enough writers, then it's kind. Of, but it's the same thing. That's what. See, that's what I'm I gotta look. It I up. look no, at this no, a little man. bit differently because, like Anthony said, the first movie she fought Ares. You know, she literally fought a god. Where do you go from there? You know, we know she's powerful. We know she's powerful enough to beat a god. So who do you put as her adversary? Put her up against a human with flaws, with different layers, where it's not black and white. She's still figuring out how to deal with people. Okay. And that's why I didn't have like such an issue. That's, That's why I don't have such an issue with the whole Max Lord and Cheetah thing, the way it was presented in the movie. Because she has to, she has to figure out how to fight them on a different level. You know, this one is not about using her powers. It's not Person about her strength. It's about her compassion. It's about her humanity, which is something that you know she had on Themyscira, but not to this extent because she didn't have to worry about regular human stuff when she was there. So it, 
you know, it, then it, you you you, ha you have to make a choice, though. You have to say, OK, well, if that's what we're going to do, then we're going to do Max Lord. And he basically is going to have to be like Lex Luthor and she's going to have to outsmart him. She's going to have to do something other than physically fight him. Even though in the comic book, spoilers, she did break his neck, but they weren't going to go back to that because Superman already did that, breaking someone's neck. So they weren't going to, they weren't going to go there anyway. And plus they didn't set his character up to, to be anything more than what he was anyway. Um, and I have to say, even though they did a, fair to middling job they wasted max lord you could have done so much more with him well that's because they had spent they had to spend time on barbara so that's what i'm saying if they had if they had show and in in my in my head canon in my ideal world to me i would just write this movie off as let's put some distance between the first wonder woman movie and the third wonder woman movie Okay, so now we have some distance. We've given you Cheetah, someone who can, even though, okay, I want to say this, and then I'm going to say something else to completely contradict myself. <laughs> they brought in Cheetah to fight her, to make it look like a pretty good fight. But I'm going to tell you, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, if, if Diana really wanted to beat her, she could. Like yeah, she, she really was yeah. kind of. It seemed like she was kind of holding back. She was holding back because that she was, was her because friend. that was her friend, and she yeah. didn't think she was. So now it doesn't help that I had. We we were trying to figure out had we ever seen her fly before. So we 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 watched Batman versus Superman, and we watched um, Justice League. <sighs> Unfortunately, we watched those movies again. She can fly. You no, know, the funny and, thing about Justice League is in her canon. Yeah, huh? she can fly. Yeah, no, she can well, fly. she can fly yeah. now. Yeah, she can fly now, but back there in 1984, that's when she was learning. Yeah, she was in, yeah. And then but here's the funny thing was. about Justice League. So I decided to watch Justice League a, a couple of weeks ago because I was just like, okay, I just want to watch it, you know, just trying to prep for Wonder Woman 84. And I'm watching Justice League and literally for the first 30 minutes, I thought that somehow I had overlooked watching the movie because I didn't remember anything from it. It was like right when it got towards the middle and I was like, oh, I do remember this. I do remember this. Yeah, there were some things I was watching. I was like, did that, did that is this new? Did so, yeah, I, re I same thing with me too. 30 yeah. minutes. I was yeah. like, yeah. how in the hell have I not seen this yeah. film? Now, like, I literally posted a status about it and I had friends who were like, Wait, was it? Is this? Is this the Duke Snyder version, or is this, this that's not out yet? Theaters. Yeah, no, Snyder, not, not, not coming out till March. This is just the regular, the regular, right? Yeah, because if you watch it, yo, Hanukkah's right because I watched it too, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't remember this. I, I, I don't remember. All, all I remember first go round was watching Jason Momoa because I was so nervous about him being Hawaiian and Aquaman versus being the white blonde blue eyed you know that I wanted to make sure that he was straight once I saw he was okay I moved on <laughs> I, now, I, I brought I, I, I brought I up I brought up Justice League <laughs> not, not to tear hey, you can screw up being being Aquaman really badly if you try hard if enough. You try okay? hard enough you could. I, I I brought it up not to tear it down and not to go into a sidetrack discussion about it, but I brought it up because it raised one of those main issues I had with Wonder Woman and being overpowered is they spent so much time making Superman not a part of the story. 
in 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 Justice League because you had to remove him because as you mm-hmm. saw at the end, he came in and he basically was about to wipe the floor with Steppenwolf, what and then he gets distracted. You know, Cyborg calls him over to help, and so then Wonder Woman, Aquaman are fighting Steppenwolf again, and then you know he has to go save some people with the Flash. And then he comes back and was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did I forget you were here, Steppenwolf? And then he beats his ass again. Right. Yeah, he gets yeah, distracted yeah. again. So it's like, and, and I, I feel like they're trying to do that with Wonder Woman because in the back of my mind, it's like Superman 2. If you guys can remember that movie, you, you sort of start taking his power away to make him more human. And you, you, you bring his power level down or for, for her, you bring her power level down to make her able to be able to fight Cheetah and actually feel like she's in danger. You know, but once she gets her powers back, it's not really even close. So that's right. why I'm thinking that this movie is a way for them to, okay, well, if we put some distance between, between Wonder Woman destroying you know, Ares, a god, and we have her fight a person who's just like a metahuman and you know they kind of go back and forth a little bit so when we get to the third movie we basically are able to have her fight somebody because we know they they greenlit the third movie mm-hmm. and i don't think it's necessarily going to be patty jenkins now and yeah. now i'm starting to have questions about maybe they really did put it on hbo max because they realized they someone watched that movie and was like oh god we're not going to be able to pass this off as a blockbuster. We're just going to have to this on TV. Because the, it, the it, critics it, and uh, the ratings for it before it came out, it had a, it had a what, 98, 90, 99% um, fresh status on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was down to a 67. And it was, it was, was it that high? But, but the, pro- the thing is, though, a lot before of before it came out. I don't know if oh. this is a conspiracy theory. I have a theory. <laughs> I, I, I watched. I watched. COVID so they could. I wish. I wish I had the YouTube video watched. I watched this guy. I didn't watch the whole video, but I watched the guy do a review, and I only watched the first part of it because he was about. I could tell he was going to just rip the movie for no other reason other than he didn't really like it that much. But he brought up a whole bunch of tweets from all the reviewers who reviewed it prior to the movie coming out. And all the tweets sounded like they were written by Warner Brothers PR. <laughs> Did they all, it was like 15 or so tweets from movie reviewers, like legit movie reviewers, and they all had hope. All of them had hope and exciting future, um, hope for humanity. They all had the same key buzzwords in every single tweet. Okay, and I'm okay. like, it sounds like, it sounds like they were all given like this briefing Ish, on right. this. Yeah, this is what, you know, the talking points for the movie are. And I've never seen anything like it as far as reviews go. And I got, I, a, I, got a question. I, mm-hmm. Two things. Did you see anything from any actual comic book people? You know what I mean by that. I'm not talking right. I'm talking to comic no. book geeks. No. Was there any mention of the Filipino version of Wonder Woman Daria? No. Was there anything to suggest 
that anyone who was a diehard comic book fan was in direct contact with uh, the studio and was given promo or advance and could actually critique it before the movie hit. That I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I don't know. Think I remember. Now I did I did I did see one woman who said one reviewer I forgot I always forget her name she's this blonde that does movie reviews, and she always says she has talked to an editor at DC or whatever, and they always have something to say, usually somewhat negative about the movies coming out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that was mm-hmm. the only person. Other than that, I have no knowledge or no indication that any of those people, other than getting a pre, because now they send out links, they send them a link, yeah, yeah, a yeah. screener link, right, and so, yeah. yeah, actual screeners, they send them a link, and most of these people, that's how they watched it. Well, years ago, I used to, I used to uh, write for this one site, and I, I got, I, I was given two choices of stuff I wanted to review because I was getting. Uh, DVDs, free DVDs from Disney. And I was given a choice. I could either do my favorite, which was Power Rangers and stuff, which was a little Cheetah Girls. Yes, remember that series thrown mm-hmm. in? Or I was given the choice and everyone who knows me, this is not my ish. I could have gotten my premiere pick of Korean horror films. Now, some people I know would, but I would have took the horror films with me. I took the Rangers, Power Rangers, because I watched all 27 seasons anyway but my thing is is that back in the day when they used to send these things out especially disney they would send you the dvds and they would send you this little note and the note said that we are giving you these based upon the fact you've agreed to review them for whatever site you're working for or writing for but we ask you to do the following things don't necessarily give the entire plot away if you have something negative to say Give it a slightly positive spin. And three, no matter what, do not post this interview or your review no later or earlier than 24 hours after the movie or whatever show premieres. So that's what you had to work with, right? Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, I got a lot of Power Rangers stuff, which was awesome. But my thing is, is that even Disney back, this is like 12 years ago, Disney... Uh, and a lot of the studios, they made a very serious effort to really, really suck up to anybody who was reviewing anything that they had because they knew that if they were sending you something that was going to be seen by everyone and you were not a professional journalist, you were a comic book blogger, journalist, whatever, you were going to give them your really honest opinion. So they babied us like no one's business. I mean, really babied us. Hmm. So you're saying maybe the positive reviews that came out before the movie might have been a little skewed. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Anthony, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Mm. But, you know, I, I was just pointing out the fact that it just seemed, it was suspicious to me that a lot of the reviews, it did seem to be very similar in tone and whatnot. And, and now that the movie has come out and more people have seen it, Usually, other than because I don't think it's being review bombed by anyone, because the reviews have just been meh, you know. Yeah, I I saw something. A friend of mine actually um, sent me a message and asked my opinion because he knew I would be honest and give it. And I, you know, I told him I said I enjoyed it, and I did overall. Even with the the issues that I had with it, overall, I enjoyed the movie. 
Um, I love Gal Gadot's portrayal of Wonder Woman. Um, again, like I said, I think the acting was great, but there were some some issues. And, you know, when I said that, he said, you know, most of the people that I know who've seen it, most of them have been in the middle. And then the other people, you either loved it or you absolutely hated it. But for the most part, most people have been in the middle or they hated it. Like, I've not really seen a lot of people that I know who have said that they absolutely love the movie, you know, which is kind of, it's just, I don't know. Again, there, there were some issues, um, but I, I think the performances kind of made the movie for me. And speaking of which, I do want to talk about Max Lord because Pedro Pascal is a fucking chameleon. I mean, this man, whatever role he gets is phenomenal, you know? And I mean that the, the main three things that I've seen him in now more in more recent years, I've seen him go from Prince Oberyn on Game of Thrones to the Mandalorian and then now to this. And all three of those characters are huge characters within those franchises and they're all so completely different and yet they all he he infuses them with a little bit of vulnerability even in the the characters that are supposed to be like this powerful character or this strong character they all have some kind of vulnerability that i think adds an additional layer to the character. And it's like, that's one of the reasons why, even though Max Lord, you know, he starts out as this character who is basically, I won't say down on his luck, but he's a businessman. He's trying to, he's trying to, you know, be successful and it's just not working out for him. He sees this object that can grant him what he wants. And he uses it to become the object. I think it's called the wish stone. I think that's what it was called. And in doing so, he literally becomes the genie. He becomes the most powerful thing in the world. And I think that power kind of consumes him. But I don't think that's who that character was at heart. That character was just a man who, and we see this at the end, came from an abusive household, started from the bottom, and all he wanted to do was be be successful so his son wouldn't think he's a loser. And it's just with him absorbing the power of that wish stone, it just became something else entirely. But in the end, you know, of course, you know, he, he comes to his senses, he has his humanity restored to him, he, you know, puts his son first, which is... I won't say it was a bad end to the character. It it was a bit of a redemptive arc, but it's kind of like it was one of those. I never felt like he was evil. I just felt like he just he just wanted to be a better person and he just chose the wrong path to do that. And of course, we know with that kind of power, it consumes you. I mean, we've been talking about this with the other shows that we've been reviewing on this show, like all of this power, all of this it, it consumes you. 
and it turns you into something that you were not before. But his performance as this character, my goodness, this man is, it was just just great. Yes, Anthony, you have your hand up. <laughs> I was going to say, um, it goes back to what Lori said earlier. If it would have been more, he, he did, he was great. I mean, this, this, I'm not going to take that away from him. He, he did an outstanding job. I, I know some people have said that he's an okay actor and he did a decent job. He did a Whoever says he's an, okay, he's an okay actor, actor. they have obviously yeah, because been paying attention. He, in, in the Kingsman, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, I think yes. it was called. Yeah, he was great. But that. back to Lori said, if they had shown him in the beginning, showing his obsession with this stone, with trying to find, if we had actually seen him become, I don't know, if we had seen him become infected with this obsession, and we could see that his obsession turned into, or caused him to become, you know, what he became, it, I think it would have been more moving and more powerful mm -hmm. than what we got in the movie. Because like, like Lori said, all he got was him them finding a bunch of papers of him having, you know, stuff about it, as opposed to actually seeing him obsess over it and trying to find it. Like we should have seen him freak out about the theft at the mall. Like, you know what I mean? Like you had to sit there and put that together yourself. Like, oh, okay, that was a stone that was there. And then while he's looking at it like that, and the only reason why we know it was him is she finds his name on the pay stub. Like really we needed to see that obsession we needed to see that that infatuation that he had with the stone mm -hmm. to to truly understand where his character was coming from and where he was going and i think that would have been more moving like i said it's like two halfway movie ideas that is kind of put together and and yeah you know, and like you said yeah, i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i thought it was fun i mean i liked all the 80s stuff and you know, I love seeing Wonder Woman. I wanted more of Wonder Woman in, you know, doing Wonder Woman things. Yeah. I wanted mm -hmm. the lasso of truth to actually be the lasso of truth and and not just be a weapon that she's using. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, 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 I don't know. I wanted something more. And like Michael said earlier, meh, it's like. <laughs> it's a, a better script. Like this guy, the guy is, you, when you look at him, you're like, okay. You, you're, he really doesn't seem like the type of guy who would know about this stone haphazardly. It's not just something that he just happened to know about. Like, mm -hmm. how? Like, mm -hmm. that, that, I agree. That was something that was majorly left out. It's like, from the commercials that you see him on, he's not like the kind of guy because most other rich people or, or, guy, or people who, who project a lot of wealth are the guys that you know who have a library where they pick a book and they're like okay i'm going to find this piece of magic piece of magic architecture or this piece this piece that's going to bring me world domination but he doesn't even he doesn't really project that right so how does he how does he even come across how does he even research he, does, he doesn't even come across as that smart to be able to figure that out right so like how did he figure that out and like, and like to Lori's case, it's like there's probably a lot more in the comic books about him where they give a backstory and show his, they show maybe, maybe that, that he does have a brilliant mind, but we didn't right. really see that leading up to that. 
-hmm. But they skipped things too because they showed Stag briefly, which would have been a great intro in a metamorphal, and they did nothing with it. I mean, I I understand. I don't work in I don't work in the movie industry. I don't write movie scripts. I understand there's a lot involved and, and there are people who make decisions that are involved and there are things that they want to happen. But it just seems to me like they they didn't I, I'm sure everyone on the project worked as hard as they possibly could. But it just seems like there were some things that were just kind of left out that was lacking. And I hate to say that the writers didn't do what they were supposed to. I hate to say that mm. Patty Jenkins didn't do what she was supposed to. But it just seems like there was a lot lacking. I mean, you did put out a decent movie that people are going to watch and people are going to enjoy, but you just, you just kind of had all built up all this capital that you built up from the first movie. Mm-hmm. You just kind of, yeah, just kind it of didn't have that wow factor like the first one did. Right. Yeah. They, there there are moments in the first the movie dots. that you think about and you're like, oh my God, that was a great moment. Mm-hmm. There's there's none of that in this movie. They I mean, didn't connect like... the dots with the god, the god, the trickster god. If they would have spent three more minutes explaining why Diana freaked out when she read the book, it could have tied it in better. No, but she freaked out when she saw the when she saw the bracelet, saw the amulet without the stone. Exactly, that was another. There you go, and it took a, yes. Exactly, they did not explain that at all. Yeah, they, if they, they would explain it, it would have been much better. Yeah, yeah. All, all they did was say, "Oh, that's the God's language." I'm like, "Okay, but why did you drop it like it burned you?" Exactly. I mean, like, that, that I mean she 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 because almost backed up and wound up on the like, ceiling. That's how freaked out yeah. she was. Because of the line where she says, where "She says, you know, God's God's tended to put things in things that weren't necessarily good." You could left it that, but no, you didn't leave it that. You leave it with, "Oh my God, she freaks the freak." It was enough to freak her out, right? You know what I mean, right. And that's a big woman. She's not afraid. And she freaked of... out twice. She freaked exactly. out with the bracelet, and then she freaked out when she looked in the book. And and the book thing really would have been a quick, good segue to give us, like I said, a minute explanation. Because you're right, Diana doesn't do that. I mean, they dropped the ball. I mean, I don't think it was a bad movie. I think, and I'm calling it. I think they had a fair to bad script and Patty Jenkins did the best that she could with the money and the time. The actors were not the problem. The scene, the sets were not the problem. The script was not good. All I know is Kevin Feige when to let that crap cross his desk. <laughs> I don't think he would have been okay with No, that. no, Jeff Johns <laughs> let that across his desk. That's who I blame. I blame, now, blame Jeff Johns. I, I, Kevin Feige probably saw this and was like, yeah, okay, this is why we're on top. I'm just gonna go about my business. Yeah, y'all are <laughs> I mean, this, this movie, this movie does nothing to intimidate Marvel. Is it it does nothing to think Marvel Marvel's gonna look at this movie and say, Oh my god, we have to work harder now. They're gonna be like, Oh, please, we're still, whatever. Shit, we can we can we can literally put anything out right now and they'd be like, Oh yay, Marvel's winning again because this movie didn't put the fear of God in them. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like the whole thing is like when they announced Justice League, Marvel was like, "Oh fuck, we got we got probably got to do something." After they saw Justice League, they were like, Tuh. "Okay, whatever," and they came and they came out with Iron Man three. So I blame them 
for all this bullshit. All, all the bullshit movies that Marvel came out with is after they saw bullshit movies from DC. <laughs> Jonah Hex. And Jonah they did Jonah Hex wrong because that movie had promise. That, I thought that movie was gonna be should have been way better than that. Oh, that but, movie should have kicked ass. It really should have. I digress. But yeah, I just think that this movie did not do its job, and I am now officially fearful for Black Adam because I want Black Adam. Black Adam needs to blow me away. Black Adam literally needs to knock me. Like I need to be unconscious after this movie <laughs> for them to, because it's like this movie. While it was good and it had potential, it just didn't reach it. So Black Adam, the, for, for, for the potential that Wonder Woman 84 had, Black Adam, Wonder Woman 84 is down here. Black Adam's up here because it has The Rock in it. It has Shazam, which is probably their most, their best, one of their best movies that they've had in whatever 510 movie run that they've recently had. That's one of the best movies that they've done. So this not only does it have it has that expectation of it. I mean, this is a this is this movie is projected to be one of the like a blockbuster, one of the best superhero movies that that has come out. Period. So now it has to be even better than that to kind of make up for this because this fell flat, and Black Adam cannot fall flat. If Black Adam falls flat, then the DC movie universe is in deep shit. It's it's a wrap. It's a wrap. I'm just gonna call it. Why okay, the, the 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 okay. I, who knows if these things are true? But I read that there was some friction between Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns was one of my favorite writers for DC. Um, when Jeff Johns came on to Smallville, um, Smallville was spiraling into the depths of obscurity until Jeff Johns came on and basically saved it after I think season four maybe season three, but he, cause you know, they had their own issues. Um, and he was producer on Greenland. I don't think he wrote that script and he kind of was a producer on Justice League. I don't think he wrote that, but he did write Aquaman. This, and he wrote the screenplay for Wonder Woman. So I think he should really stick to writing comic books. And I'm sure what Laurie said is probably true. Patty Jenkins probably went in thinking these are the things that she wanted to do. And this was a script that she was handed. You know, I read in some I read something earlier today where she gave an interview and she said that Warner Brothers actually wanted her to cut the opening scene for 1984. They didn't want it in the film. And she fought. Oi! Yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. That was the best thing about the movie. Really? Because, because I think they they have a certain, they had a certain thing they wanted to do. And I say they, meaning Jeff Johns. And he probably didn't, he probably put that in there. It was like, well, you know, we could do without that, actually. And I would venture to guess that that was something she came up with. Mm-hmm. And not something that he put in there. Because if you really think about it, it doesn't really connect to the rest of the story, other than the um, the whole thing about the truth. Yeah, you know. and the well, that, and introducing kinda, the warrior. That, that kind of tied the whole movie together, though. That the opening scene mm-hmm. and that the, that was the. the I'm I'm stretching it, but if strip. you looked at it, could have it hey, kind of was if, if you're Pat, if you're Patty Jenkins and you look at the script and you say, "Well, I need something." To yeah, kind of, yeah. right, you right. kind of make the whole thing make sense, and she she put that in there, and because that's what directors do, you know, she, and and I could see them saying they wanted to get rid of that, 
or Jeff Johns because he didn't write it, so he's not gonna be behind it. Especially now that he's gotten this this writing thing. It's well, I don't know. There's Jeff- there's a lot of I, I don't know. I I don't want to put okay. Uh, this this whole thing is starting to turn into what happened with. Um, Man of Steel and Joss Whedon coming on and doing Justice League. You start doing this garbage like that, things change. And it's almost what happened with, it's the same as what happened with Ryan Johnson with (laughs) The Last Jedi. You know, he came in with one way and wanted to do something and and Disney was behind him and said, go ahead, do it. Do what you want to do. And you basically screw up everything well it's almost like Jeff Johns is doing the same thing where where what was his name who did Man of Steel why can I why can't I think of it I can't think of it but and Watchmen but he 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 seemed like he had a direction of where everything was going to go right and he had the tragedy in his life where his son committed Zack Snyder Zack Snyder and and now other people have come in and And they have taken everything in a completely different direction well I keep going back to Jonah Hex and and I'm I'm bringing this up for a certain point back when they did that Jimmy Palmiotti uh, actually was on set and we interviewed him years ago and Jimmy Palmiotti actually said that when he showed up he was promised a hundred different things all they literally got to do on set of Jonah Hex was stand by the side and they gave him a, a, a jacket with the logo on the back and they said they shook his hand and said thank you very much for writing Jonah Hex and then him and his writing partner got shuttled off to the site, and that was his entire contribution to Joe Hex. They flew them both out. They put them up in the hotel. They brought them to set. That was it. And Jimmy Palmiotti, if you've ever met Jimmy Palmiotti or if you know him, he was not happy at all. But he said, you know, we signed off. We did a contract. I had to do what they had me to do. He says, but let's just say that if my name would have been Stan Lee, we could have maybe have changed Salul back to a better character. But that's what they do with these movies. Jeff John is not actually physically responsible for it to be a bunch of a screw up. He's good writing comic books. 52 was awesome. Uh, you know, the Green Lantern stuff, Blackest Night, that stuff was awesome. But when you move them from comic books and you move them to movies, they don't necessarily respect their vision, their passion. They think they're hacks and they bring in their own writers. Hmm. All I know is Aquaman had his problems too, and he wrote. That. Oh, Aquaman was horrible. <laughs> you know, and and here he wrote Wonder Woman, and it's like Aquaman how, had so much. So how? Promise, man. I'm gonna be honest, it y'all, should, should. and y'all know I'm y'all know I'm a huge Jason Momoa fan. I have not finished like I can't. I've tried starting Aquaman four times. I don't even think I've gotten to the halfway mark yet. I just, it was just. Aquaman was not that. Well, I mean, it was okay. It was I not that bad. Thing. Part of the problem is Amber Heard. Even before, oh, yeah. even before all the Johnny Depp stuff comes up, I just think she's a horrible actress. She and so having to watch her in the, it, it was just one of those. I was just like, no. And I, I, I don't feel any chemistry with her and Jason Momoa in Aquaman. So it was just kind of. It's one of those things where it's just hard to, 
if you don't, if you can't sense the chemistry between your leads, it makes the movie hard to watch, and that's the okay. problem I'm having now. I can watch Jason Momoa do anything, right? But, but you have to understand with Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, she just comes off. She just she comes off as if she doesn't like men. Period. You know what I mean? She just she just comes off as angry. So it doesn't matter that he and, and I don't know Jason Momoa. Never met him or know know anyone, but he just seems like he's a really nice guy because I like him from he Stargate. Is, I've met him, he, you know, from Stargate and everything. But it just looks like she's just. I mean, there's a reason there was that lawsuit with Johnny Depp. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Jason Momoa just, could read a Betty Crocker cookbook. And people would be interested. I would, yeah, I pretty much. Yeah, they're like no eyes and watch that. Yes, but see, audible, audible would shut down. <laughs> yes, audible yeah, literally, yeah. literally lose. It's like you lose all kinds of power and just like shut down and, and let and give him some editorial, <laughs> editorial but power. That, but see, but that's not that's not the winner in the story. The winner of the story is that a certain woman who's now fifty three years old was married to both Lenny Kravitz and Jason Momoa, Lisa Bonet, <laughs> the MBB of all black women. All all this all this does it shows you that's a hell of a I, run. Yeah, hey, I think that though isn't that good. <laughs> We're getting into the weeds here. Right, right. It's all related Sorry. to Wonder Woman 1984. Let's fill it back in. Yeah. Is that is that overall you need to have a person with a vision and a direction for right. the whole thing. And as long as you have these different pockets, uh, individuals doing their own thing, you're you're not gonna get any consistency across any level. Right, and right. and that's what we're seeing. And as much as I love um, um, I've, James Gunn, I'm not really looking forward to the Suicide Squad movie. I'm just, just not. Mm. I mean, I look over there and I see 20 different characters. And the first thing that comes to mind is half of them are going to die <laughs> in the first 30 minutes, first 20 minutes. Look, and then I'm going to, yeah, and then I'm going to be like, whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because Remember in Deadpool 2 when you saw the previews and you saw Terry Crews and you saw what's the name Bill, one of the Gustafson dudes and shit, and you were like, oh shit, all of them going to be in it? Cool. How long were they in it for? Five minutes. But, five that, but, but, but it was brilliant, though. It was one, brilliant. Even Brad Pitt, who was there and not there, died in like the first place. I, I, I like James Gunn, but there's no way, there's no way that he's going to do a complete comprehensive movie with all of those characters from beginning to end. He can't. He, he can't, can't do it. No, he can't, can't do it. And if you do it, the movie's gonna suck. Yeah. And that's why my yeah. hopes are not high. He's a great filmmaker and Guardians of the Galaxies are great movies. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like DC has this, okay, we can bring him in. This is like our last gasp effort to do something great. Because they thought, you know, we thought they had something with Patty Jenkins, but you don't have a person. I don't even like Kevin Feige, but you don't have a person like him who's sitting there looking at the big board, who's looking at the big board saying, okay, these are all the things I need to happen. You know what I mean? This is the consistency and level of, 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 of um, quality of work that we have to work with. Look at the difference between Sony with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, mm -hmm. versus Sony with the Marvel, Tom Holland, mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. There's a mm -hmm. clear difference mm -hmm. 
in the quality of the writing, the mm -hmm. quality of the production, because you got a man with a plan who's looking at the big board. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder was going to be that guy. Zack Snyder started with Man of Steel, and you can see the threads that he was laying out. And even if you watch Batman versus Superman, as bad as it is, you can see the threads that he's trying, he's trying to make this a darker world. He's trying to make it not like Marvel. It's going to be his own thing. And then you bring in Joss Whedon and the whole thing is crap now. Now you have different people doing different things with their own ideas. Oh, the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. DC sucks. Well, maybe the, the maybe the Snyder cut will kind of cancel out weed and stuff. I don't know. It's not. Well, well okay. I'm not gonna, and, and to bring back the Wonder Woman 1984, it was missing direction. It was missing yeah. someone yeah. saying, you know what? Someone smart looking at this and saying, you know what? Let's not do all of this. Why don't we cut this in half? Right. And why don't we expand on this first half? Because there's a lot of story there. There's a lot of story there that was left on the floor with Max Lord. There's a lot of story there that mm -hmm. was left on the floor with Barbara. There's a lot of stuff there that was left with Chris, with um, Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman. And you just, you just missed it all. You really did. So what you're saying is what I'm and I am agreeing with you 100%. So what you're saying is it's not necessarily a bad movie. What the problem is, is that the editing was not up to what it should have been. Because I agree, if they would have edited the movie differently, it could have been an awesome movie. There are scenes that are missing. Exactly. There's if they if they, if they, if they pulled this down and moved this over and brought this, yeah, you're right, Anthony. 100%. There's story beats. There's story yeah. beats that are mm -hmm. missing. There are character yeah. moments yeah. that are missing. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we have to assume happen. We have to assume that Max Lord somehow came across the stone. We have to assume that he developed this obsession over it. I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe all the drilling that he's doing in these different places is related to him trying to find the stone. Or he I mean, found it by accident. And, yeah. These are all the things that are in my head that I mm -hmm. shouldn't have to come Think up about. with on my own. Right. right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I Again, I enjoyed the movie. I found it entertaining. I just but wanted there more. Some yeah, yeah. I just wanted more. Either I, the, the the actors, the actors really make up for the movie because I love seeing them all on screen. They're all great. Mm -hmm. They all great. And then you throw in the mummy scene in it with the guy with the book. Who is this guy? What is his purpose? What is the purpose of the book? Mm -hmm. We really mm -hmm. already know what's going on. We really do. Mm -hmm. You already told all the information that scene is anything that we kind of really didn't already knew they couldn't figure out on their own. But, you know, they threw it in there. I don't know why. Because they wanted to seem like a mummy movie, because they wanted to give an element of horror. You know, I, I don't know. There was just so many things that could have been done better, but it wasn't necessarily bad. It's like Michael said earlier, our level of expectations because of the Marvel movies has sort of screwed up our expectations on other comic book movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, my hopes for Suicide Squad are not great. My hopes for Morbius are okay. My hopes for um, the Venom 2 movie, okay. I, I, I need for everyone, because I know those are Marvel things, but they're separate. 
but I need for everyone to get on the same page just to have the consistency across the board. And the consistency was missing from the first movie to this movie. It's Do like, you- it's a completely different. It seemed like it's a completely different production staff. Like mm-hmm. you guys just totally dropped the ball on all the little things that made the first movie great. All the moments that made the first movie great. Y'all just kind of dropped the ball on it. Would it have helped if they would have pulled Greg Belanti and all the guys from the CW shows and maybe had them work on it a little bit? Because the CW shows, whether you like them or not, they actually work. I mean, if you would have brought exactly. in them, you might have had a better se- sense of not just this movie, but the movies in general. Now, my opinion, Josh Whedon should never, ever, ever, ever do movies. He should stick to TV. That's where he excels. Okay. Maybe the problem with this is, like I said, editing is that they just, DC, now the animation side on DC, the DC animation movies are awesome. I mean, they are, you know, the Justice League cartoon, Justice League Unlimited. Awesome. Love those things. But for some reason, they just can't translate into a live action movie. Now, the only one that I enjoyed enough that I actually have watched, I think, three times now, which is rare for a DC film for me, and I actually enjoyed is Shazam. Shazam is the only one I actually like. This, this is what they this is what they need to do. They need to go to the animation guys. They need to go to the animation guys and say, what do you guys need in order for us to make you guys a live action movie? That's what they need to do. Because I'm gonna tell you, John Favreau, the best thing he could have done was draft Dave Filoni. And yep. I'm telling you, the Mandalorian would not be what it was if it was for Dave Filoni, because he is the one that was driving force behind the Clone Wars, handpicked by George Lucas. You know, this guy knows what he's doing and it was all animated and he translated into live action. So once you go over to DC Animation Studios and say, what do you guys need in order for us to put your movies in the live action? Mm-hmm. And, the, and their their troubles will be solved. Exactly. But that's not how they work. They're all right. platoon. You know, my stuff is better than your stuff. And you guys are just comic book artists. You guys just draw cartoons. Y'all are nothing. If if John Favreau said that to Dave Filoni, we would all we would be we would be at a loss because we wouldn't have the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know, I know John Favreau is writing it and doing all this stuff to it, but Dave Filoni is the creative genius behind all of that crap. You know Dave I mean? Filoni, he made they did a in Clone Wars, they did a Night Sisters episode, you know, the, the, the three-parter. I cried. I mean, the man. I mean, he is so good. I met him at Celebration and I actually thanked him. I was like, thank you, because you actually made me love the Clone Wars. I mean, the man is a genius. And I think a combination of him and Fabro is something that they need over in DC. They need to find the team. Now, I do not have any problem with Patty Jenkins being a, a female director. I think she's awesome, but I think her hands are tied. And I agree, the animation people need, uh, Andrea Romero needs you know, the voice uh, person that leads with the picking of the actors and stuff. They need to pull her in. I think she's retired, but they need to pull her in. They need to redo some of the people. I mean, you've got me laughing hysterically in, in, in Justice League Unlimited where Flash and Lex switch bodies and Lex pulls off the, the, the cow and he goes, I have no idea who that is. And you're laughing two days later because it was so funny. I mean, you're, the animation stuff is the, the Flash Paradox. 
the one they did with the British ones, uh, the, the, uh, the Canterbury uh, Cricket, uh, the, this, the thing they did with Midnighter and Grifter. I mean, they've done so many awesome things with the animation side that you just sort of are stunned that they can't pull it together and do one decent DC movie. If you want to see a good Wonder Woman movie, watch the DC animated Wonder Woman movie. Yes. It's yes. actually really good. It is really good. <laughs> it's really good. All, all the DC animated stuff is really good. It's actually really good. I don't know. That, that last one they did, the newest one, that one was kind of rough. I didn't watch that one. Yeah. Oh, that was but, painful. But Justice War, Justice uh, War has Wonder Woman in it, and that one's really good too. Yeah, yeah. But that that last one, they took it, they made it a little bit too realistic, and I'm at the end of it, I'm like, I want my time back because that was just horrible, and I just I, but they gave us King Shark as a shark joke, which I spent the next three weeks just telling it to everybody, and I had explained it because no one got it. Man. So. Uh, uh, I, I hate to say it, but the laughing joke, the cartoon, I went to go, I got passes to see it in the movie theater. And I felt like I should have. the killing watched. joke? Yeah, the killing we, joke. We, yeah, yeah. I was like, that they could have kept that. I'm sorry. It, yeah. It, it didn't do it for me at all. I was like, Ugh. those, those, the, the, yeah, the last two. Yeah. Uh, I can't do it. Well, the last, the, like I said, the last two, maybe three that they've done, they made it a little bit too real life, and they were, they weren't bad, but they were depressing. And I agree with you because the killing joke. I mean, we've all read the killing joke, right? We all know what's going to happen. We all know what to expect. But to see it on screen, you're like, yeah, maybe I don't want to see the killing joke. You know, just like Hush. Hush. I watched Hush a couple weeks ago. I wish that I hadn't watched Hush because it literally destroyed 20 years of it being in my head. And I'm going, I'm going to go back and read Hush now because I want comfort. You know, I mean, it's just when they do the storylines like that, when, when they did No Man's Land of last season of Gotham, we only got, what, 12 episodes, but at least seven of those episodes were dedicated No Man Land storyline. And I was so hyped. And when they got to it, I was like, oh, man. I don't want to see certain things from the comic books on screen in because it ruins what's in my head. That could be the other problem they have to deal with, you know, especially Wonder Woman. We have all this stuff in our head already. Right, right. And Linda Carter is is foremost. I mean, like I said, the Justice League Wonder Woman is awesome. But Anthony, let me let me ask you this. If they would have had, say, Dave Filoni. And they would have had a better editing. And I don't think Penny Jenkins is the problem. I, I really don't. But do you think that there would have been any way that they could have made this movie with editing help kind of along the same lines, but better? Or are we just speculating? There were, there were, some, there were some things, like I said already, there's some stuff that, that's missing that if they had included it, it it would have been a, a much better movie. Mm. Max Laura's obsession over the stone, notwithstanding, being one of them. Less of Barbara beating up drunken white dudes, <laughs> and you know, and more of you know, more of Max Laura giving us what led him to where he was. 
you know, now. I think just just that little bit, mm, just that mm-hmm. little bit mm-hmm. would have made the depth of his character so much more. Because Hanako touched on it. His character isn't necessarily evil. Right. He isn't right. necessarily a villain. But one thing that that he lacks to me as a character is a little bit of depth. You know, like like I said, wh- where did he get this obsession over the stone from? Why would he even think it was possible to wish himself to be the stone? You know what I'm saying? Like, how did, how did you even get to that point? You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. That's, That's the what's thing because missing. Out of all the things that he could have wished for, I mean, he could have wished for his oil fields to start working. He could have wished for all of all of his. He could just had the wish to wish for all these people, but instead, he did what is arguably a fucking brilliant off brilliant off tangent move, and he wished to be the stone. And that's like that came out of nowhere. That's like I was like, oh, he's just gonna wish for power. Okay, fine, whatever. But he wished to be. He basically was Jafar's last wish. I wish to be the most I powerful. The I wish to be a genie. Yeah. He he was he basically became Jafar at that moment, and I was except for no EDB living space. But that was <laughs> just a brilliant move by him. And and it's like and up until that point, you didn't look at him as to have that kind of mental acuity to come up with that wish, knowing you only had one wish and figuring that out. It's right. just like. Like, you know, no wishing for more wishes. It's like, you know, I wish I had a million wishes. Instead, he, he was, was like, like you only get one. Right. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm yeah. going to be the thing that gives all the wishes. Yeah. And the, the other thing, this is the one thing that the writers or writer did well, was I asked myself, after he got the oil fields, why would he keep doing it? And he, Max Lord actually says, there's always more. Like he even told that to Barbara, there's always more. Mm-hmm. So he wanted more. Yeah. And then I think I felt like there was something about the God that created the stone about wanting to destroy humanity. But I can never mentally make that link between all the wishes and all the crap that was happening. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you wish for more nuclear bombs. But did someone wish there was a nuclear war? Like, there wasn't much of a connection between the destruction of a civilization, which it seemed like the stone was leaving a destruction of civilization in its wake. But we didn't really get a clear explanation as to why. You know what I mean? Right. And like, why would... I'm sorry. Go ahead. To be fair, the the if you with the in the in the where you wish for more nuclear weapons it's a natural progression that if you have more weapons the russians gonna want more weapons once they see that something's going to happen and they're going to launch major that's a natural progression the mod they said it was said that like a lot of ancient civilizations that got ruined had of like the incans and the mayans the mayans probably wanted access to the outside world so it was like okay i can do that for you they bring in the Spaniards. Spaniards instead conquer them and give them smallpox and destroy their civilization. Boom. There it is. Because no one ever said what they wished for, what the other civilizations wished for that brought them ruin. But it's obviously something it, of course, it had probably has something to do with power because as we've said many, many times doing whatever, whatever show we're doing in this podcast, 
absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. It does, and that's, that's that's probably the one thing that whoever counted, whoever created the stone, was counting on. They're like, okay, whoever gets this, and most most people who are happy, they don't really want anything else, so they wouldn't really know what to wish for. But anybody who is striving for things or who wants to go higher and higher and higher, they know what can get them there. And if you give them an opportunity to get that thing. You, you know that they're going to take it, but you can also put whatever, you can give it to them, but it'll always come back to bite them in the end because there's nothing, because nothing in life is free. Nothing. Everything has a cost. Everything has a price and whatever, whatever you get, you're going to have to pay for it in the end one way or the other. So there's right. that. I, I, I got all that, but in the beginning, when he had the assistant wish for more help, right? Okay, right. more help came. But also, people started rioting outside. How it's like it didn't really make sense. Like, why did people started coming in there to riot? Were they all coming there for a job? Is 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 that what it was? But it seemed like there was a deterioration in society but not a clear explanation as to why. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't make that, they didn't help us make that linear connection. Like, we were supposed to make that connection for ourselves, you know? And they wanted us to make all these leaps of logic about, you know, the wishes leading to the end of civilization. But, like, you know, Lucy wishes for a pony. Okay, well, what did she give up in return? You know, and then he was trying to get things back from people. Well, when you have billions of people wishing for things and he's he's getting something in return, what was he getting in return? You know, why didn't he all he didn't always ask for more health, you know, better health? I'm just saying, it seemed like there was, I guess I'm saying all this to say is I understand what you're saying, but I think there was a lack of communication between the story and us as to exactly what was happening. Um, I, 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 don't think you, I, I don't think it was clear, but I understand what they were trying to do. Okay, well, for the first first wish he granted was to Simon Stagg. He, for Simon Stagg, whatever he wished for, he granted, then he said, okay, I want all your oil. So he got all the oil. Him getting all the oil created a stir about him that made him busy. And that made his his receptionist couldn't handle it. So he said, wish for more help. Okay, I'm wishing for more help. But that first wish got him all this attention and all the attention got all the riots. So it's still a still a progression and it's still kind of everything everything still falls in line. So I mean it's still it, I mean, it takes a while to get there. And yes, you probably need somebody to I, actually show it, but it's still there. I got one word for that. Messy. That's messy writing. <laughs> messy as hell. That's messy. I, I, I that's messy writing. Yes, I messy. Messy whole, writing. This, everything in here is messy. It's, oh, it's messy. It's, I heard a reviewer say that earlier. They were like, the plot is just messy. And I, I hate using that word, but it's messy. The plot is, is messy. It, it works. It's okay. But if you start scrutinizing and trying to tear it apart and look at all the flaws, you're going you're gonna to bury yourself in insanity. 
you really are so you just have to kind of take it as a surface level movie and and enjoy it as just a fun movie with some 80s nostalgia and it's got wonder woman in it yeah that that's pretty much what you what you're left with yeah basically any final thoughts i think that i think those were my final thoughts (laughs) (laughs) okay i think that i was surprised okay first of all i'm glad the son didn't die or get injured because that would have just set the whole thing like just in a disturbingly other way because he was basically doing the whole thing for his son and there's a whole lot of tropes where someone's son dies and they just go completely off the rails and I would have hated to see how he would have been off the rails if his son had died so there's that I'm glad that didn't happen also I was missing a James J. Jonah Jameson-esque character that would that would say who is this Wonder Woman and why is she just flying around throwing people into cars and throwing them off of off of mall landings and da 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 she's a vigilante she needs to be stopped where are the police and da 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 I was kind of missing that cuz I think that would even if that wasn't in canon which it probably isn't I think that would have been cool to see <laughs> myself um uh, what else do I have down here um Chief Enchantress I got I saw a lot of people say that there was a ton that that Pedro was overacting a lot as far as his character like what he like he was just kind of over the top as this guy and I was kind of like man not especially I think it fit the character though he was yeah. a I, personality <laughs> I heard he was supposed to be uh, a takeoff of Gordon Gecko is what I heard oh yeah, and, and they mentioned they mentioned that someone I think the guy Stone Stag mentioned that he thought he thought he was involved in that he was pushing on trying to put off a Ponzi scheme, which I was like, okay, that's kind of eight. Well, is that really eighties though? Was that more nineties? That was nineties. No, yeah, because because he said because he said Ponzi. He literally said the words Ponzi scheme, and I was like, whoa, 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 you're going, you're ahead of yourself now. It, it was like, more pyramid. 80s. If it was that pyramid scheme, I'd be like, okay, yeah, because that was that goes on forever. But Ponzi is like a is a specifically is like a specific thing for time. Like you know, that's that's definitely a thing. Um, I thought I I have a I, I think I have an unnatural crush on Kristen Kristen Wig now for some reason. I'm just like because seeing her when she first took off the skirt and pulled the shirt down and had the leggings, I was like, what the okay. I, <laughs> And then when she put them, when she had the little black dress, I was like, damn, okay. Like, I, I just not, after seeing her and loving her on Saturday Night, like, really liking the characters that she does on Saturday Night Live, this was a wide, this, this was, a, this was a real departure for her. Like, it's even from, like, her being on Ghostbusters, like, this is still, this is a wide diversion, like, from things that she usually does. Like, she doesn't usually try to be, sultry or sexy or anything like that and I, I thought she pulled it off i thought she did a really good job of this plus at the end when everybody revoked their wishes she did not if you look closely everybody said i revoke my wishes or they'll say something to that effect you see her sitting there looking at a sunset she did never she never said those words we never hear her say it but it, i think it's left open on I purpose i think she actually did no it's she kind of like she didn't she didn't? She, she didn't. No, which you leads her to be in the next movie. It's, because it's, it's open. 
Yeah, because yeah. technically that would mean that, that the powers were taken away from her, not her getting her powers. So that lets her be in the next movie. Well, thank you. I asked her in the interview and she says she left it open. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for our review of Wonder Woman 1984. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.